Hi, this is Bruce Katz of the Bruce Katz Band and Greg Allman and Friends. Are you here? Well, let me say that with you as our listener, the pleasure is all ours as we say, Welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. We have an interesting interview from our radio archives today. We're pleased to present our interview with pianist, organist, songwriter, and recording artist, Bruce Katz of the Bruce Katz Band. The great John Hammond said this about Bruce Katz. This man is as good as it gets. One of the greatest keyboard artists I've ever heard. The particular interview with Bruce Katz that you're about to hear was originally broadcast on radio in October 2007. Bruce was touring with the legendary Greg Allman and Friends, and his project, the Bruce Katz Band's most recent album, was A Deeper Blue. We've got more interviews coming down the pike. With who? Well, with the amazing musicians who worked with Greg Allman and many other interviews with other great artists. Would you please subscribe to Paul Leslie's YouTube channel? And like the Paul Leslie Hour on Facebook. And now, I think it's time we unseal this interview with Bruce Katz. Hey, let's listen together. We'd like to say hello to Mr. Bruce Katz of the Bruce Katz Band. Thank you for giving us this interview on behalf of all of our listening audience. Well, glad to be here. Mr. Katz, I was wondering, how did you discover the Hammond B3 organ? That's a good question. Actually, I think when I was a little kid and I remember seeing Mahalia Jackson, the great gospel singer on TV, she was very famous at the peak of her popularity. She sort of crossed over into, into everything, and I just remember hearing that sound. Then actually... I was doing some work in a recording studio, and there was a ha- this was a long time ago. There was a Hammond B3, and I just started messing around with it. But you know, it was also it was part of the sound of, of a lot of things back in the seventies. But yeah, I remember hearing gospel stuff and just going, "Wow!" I was already playing piano. The Hammond definitely spoke to me. And the latest album from the Bruce Katz Band is called A Deeper Blue, and the liner notes say that more so than your other records, it connects with that primal feeling blues music is all about. And I was wondering if you can put into words and describe that primal feeling. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, that is a good question. I wish I really could describe it because, you know, I teach... Sometimes I'm trying to get my students to connect with that but the exact feeling. I don't know. You know, I mean, I think you just, you kind of look in, you know, inward to your to yourself and just try to find, I mean, this is just what I'm doing, I guess. Just try to find this sort of inner truth that you can then express and look inward and, and outward at the same time. It's definitely not about how many licks you can play. That can be all another thing but yeah it's i don't know man it's an emotional place and it's it's sort of a true place and it's a little hard to describe <laughs> it does seem though that more so than other types of music that blues is like a feeling and i was wondering as far as blues bands or musicians just in general if you could tell us about some of your all-time favorites 
in piano, there were some obvious ones. Otis Spann, the great pianist, played with Muddy Waters and basically invented modern Chicago blues piano. Uh, Albert Ammons and Pete Johnson, the great boogie-woogie piano players. I'm really into the New Orleans piano players. Contemporary, who's actually alive, because most of the people I'm mentioning are not a contemporary who's alive that I really admire is Henry Butler from New Orleans, but also very much into James Booker and Professor Longhair and people like that. My music's kind of eclectic and staying with piano players that cross over into some other genres. Thelonious Monk for his humor and, and angular weirdness, the great jazz piano player and Charles Mingus and Freddie King and, I mean, just other instruments. Organ players, I guess my favorite organ player is probably Jimmy McGriff, because I think he's playing from a more gospel-y, soulful place, even though, obviously, Jimmy Smith is great and there's other great ones. Jimmy McGriff has that emotional content that I'm always kind of looking for. Okay, here's a short list. How's that? (laughs) One of the songs on your album that I like a lot is Stovepipe Boogie. So I was wondering if you could tell us about that song and how you came up with the title. Actually, you know, it's a duet from between piano and drums, and the drummer came up with the title because he called what he was playing a stovepipe beat. And I'm not even sure why it's a stovepipe beat. <laughs> so that's where the name came from, Ralph Rosen, the drummer. But yeah, you know, I I just love doing that two-handed driving boogie-woogie thing where you don't even need a bass player because your left hand is just laying it down. And I've recorded a few other varieties of boogie-woogie over the years. It's really, I mean, it's a great art form, and very few people really play it, but there aren't that many real two-handed piano players out there. There's a lot of one-handed piano players. And people really respond to it. They don't hear it too often. Then when they hear it, people kind of go crazy, you know, which I guess is why Boogie Woogie in the the 40s was this wild craze for about five or six years. But yeah, Stovepipe Boogie. I was wondering on, on the album A Deeper Blue if there was any cut in particular that was a favorite of yours. My problem is I always like the slow, dark ones. <laughs> the Dark Room. Might be my favorite on the whole album. That's a slow one on piano. Blues and D-Natural, which I didn't write, is probably one of my favorites. That one's actually featuring my old band leader that I used to play with, Ronnie Earl, on guitar. He's on two tunes on the album. And that one, Blues and D-Natural, is just like flat out just screaming, you know, and (laughs) that's fun too. I don't know. Greasy sticks. Great shuffle. And I like the way that Fort Cliff came out, which is a little spacier kind of tune that was actually written for a friend of mine that had unfortunately just killed himself riding a motorcycle. I wrote that tune for him because he liked that kind of jam band kind of music. I was reading about some of your educational pursuits, like teaching teaching the organ, and you mentioned a little bit about your academic side. But also, I thought it was interesting about the advanced class on the blues. Uh-huh. I, w- I was wondering how long you've been doing that. Well, I've been teaching part-time 
at Berkeley College in Boston for 12 years, actually. And it's cool that I do two heavy days of teaching there, but they let me, you know, they let me go on the road. And as long as everything works out, like in a week and a half, I'm going out with Greg Allman for two and a half weeks and schools are closed or as long as I have subs or whatever. I teach lessons and theory classes, and I also formulated this history of blues, history and analysis of blues course for Berkeley. That's kind of my course that I made, for, made and they approved and put it in the curriculum. And yeah, I don't know if there's any course as thoroughly looking at blues music anywhere. Tell you the truth, I haven't heard of one. I mean, you know, we start out by listening to like the pre-blues, you know, field powers and, and work songs and spirituals. And we work up, we sort of go through every style of country blues, East Coast country blues, Texas country blues, and classic and piano and pre-war Chicago, post-war Chicago, dump, lots of, there's a lot of styles. So it's real cool because we kind of really look at each style and analyze it. You know, it's, Looking to it, I mean, it's mostly about the listening and understanding the music, but actually look at it closely and figure out what it is and, and try to appreciate it on various levels, the emotional level, the intellectual level. So that's what that is. It does sound like a, a fascinating class. Yeah, people seem to like it. We also kind of just look at American history and social history because it's hard to study blues without talking about the shark slapping system. <laughs> all sorts of other stuff about why did all these African-American people flood into Chicago after 1945 and thus, well, started started about 15 years earlier than that, but it really started going crazy after that. And how did that affect the music? It obviously, it really affected music. So yeah, it's, I, it's a cool class. I really, I like it and I kind of learn stuff every time I teach it. You mentioned a little while ago Greg Ullman, and you yes. do, you perform with Greg Ullman and friends. And I was wondering how you met Mr. Ullman. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> Having been a big fan of the Ullman brothers all my life, well, I moved a, f- a couple years ago up to Woodstock, New York, up here in the mountains, here about a hundred miles north of New York City. Started to play with Levon Helm the great singer and drummer for the band. And I play at a lot of his Midnight Ramble shows. I don't know if you've heard about these shows up here in Woodstock that are amazing. It's like at Levon's house, but his house also has a barn that's a recording studio and a performance space. And a couple of times a month, there are shows and 200 people pay to come. It's real down home and the bands are great and guests show up out of the blue and we've had like Emmy Lou Harris and Elvis Costello and Alan Toussaint and Joan Osborne and the Holmes brothers. It's I mean it's it's pretty cool. So I, anyway, I, I sort of fell into that gig and then I met Jay Collins, who is a saxophone player who occasionally plays at the Midnight Ramble and he's been with Greg for six years. They needed somebody for the summer. Jay recommended me it was right at the time that the Allman Brothers were doing one of the runs at the Beacon Theater in New York City. You know, they do like 12 or 15 shows in a row practically at the Beacon Theater, usually in, in March and April. And so he he mentioned me to Greg and Greg told him to 
tell me just to come down to the Beacon Theater and sit in with the Almond Brothers, and that would be my audition. <laughs> it was freaky, man. <laughs> and so I went down to the Beacon Theater, and I'm standing off to the side, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, go up. And so Greg was playing organ, and I was sort of sitting on the on the organ bench facing the piano because he sets the piano at like 90-degree angles. So we were both squeezed onto the organ bench, and I think I played Stormy Monday and then like Southbound and then a little Milton tune that Susan Tedeschi got up and sang, and that was my audition in front of like, you know, 3,000 screaming fans. So it was high pressure, but I guess it came out good. But yeah, it was one of those things that was just fabulous, and now... Greg wants me to keep playing with him, and I'm so glad to do it, you know? I mean, he sounds utterly great these days. I mean, it sounds like he did it at the height of his powers. It's really wonderful to hear. So, yeah. You've had the distinction of playing on a lot of interesting albums from some of the greats. For example, you had just mentioned a Little Milton tune, and you actually played on a Little Milton album, and you mentioned before the interview about being uh, featured on a John Hammond album. Uh-huh. And just, I'm sure that was the experience you just mentioned with Greg Allman. That was had to have been a memorable moment. So I was wondering, out of all these experiences, is there any that you can't believe happened? You know what I mean? Well, the Greg Allman thing. <laughs> I think standing up there at the Beacon Theater and, and playing with the Allman Brothers, that was definitely one. I've had a few here and there. But yeah, I mean, actually, and now I kind of have an open invitation to sit in with the brothers, and I, I actually sat in with them like three more times this summer just for fun in various places, and that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I've been lucky, and, you know, the John Hammond thing, who also I had I had seen many times when I was much younger, and I had, I had a bunch of his records, and... You know, one day about a year and a half ago, I came home and I, t- I put on my answering machine and, and there was a message. Hi, this is John Hammond and I'm, I'm recording a new album and I'd, I really like your playing. I'd like you to call me. And, you know, that was one of those, wow. <laughs> <laughs> playing with Chuck Berry in front of like 10,000 people. I only, did, I only played with him a few times, but, you know, that was, I'm, I'm playing Johnny Be Good on, on a grand piano in front of 10,000 people in Europe going, yeah, <laughs> this is pretty good. There have been some moments. I mean, I was, I've been a big band fan as well. And so the first time that I showed up and played with, with Lee Von Helm is another moment of, wow, you know, I'm sort of pinching myself. This last question that I have, since this program goes out all over the world, I'd like to know what you would like to say to the world. What would I like to say to the world? Wow. Well, you're, you're, you're killing me here, man. I don't know. I would say go out and hear live music, get away from that computer and go out and hear live music. You're going to remember a great live show for the rest of your life, but you're not going to remember necessarily some other thing that you do every day. And it's, it seems hard to get people to go out sometimes and there's a lot of great musicians trying to say something and there's i think there's fewer and fewer places to go out so go out <laughs> see a band or a piano player but you know really i mean i can remember particular shows from 1978 that i saw that i'll never forget you know but not necessarily uh, what i did on thursday may in 78 
Well, thank you so much for the interview. Yeah, thank you. I'd love to hear all the, this whole, all the Almond Brothers related folks, right? That's right. It's going to be a continuing series, and this was the this is going to be the first show of the Greg Almond and Friends portion. So it'll be exciting, and I'm also looking forward to seeing Greg Ullman and Friends this Are you year. Out to any of these shows in October? I'm going to try to go to the one in Atlanta. Okay, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, and enjoy the world. Okay. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song courtesy of John Primerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good.